The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm a college professor. I'm a father of twin boys. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Metro Atlanta. My name is Michelle Frank. George just changed the lineup of how we introduce <laughs> ourselves. So let's see. Uh, I am a CPA. I am a mom to three girls, and I am also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. Very good. I, I like throwing your curveballs, Michelle. 
It's really frustrating, George. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked that the the CPA doesn't like curveballs. I don't I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I pay more attention to mirroring how you introduce yourself than I do at any other point during the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's something I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want it to be like a parallel introduction. <laughs> so, all right. I mean, I can appreciate parallelism. I mean, as somebody who, who does a lot of writing, I can appreciate the, the, the virtues of parallelism for sure. For sure. Um, Michelle, my friend, what you been up to? Um, well, I, as discussed last week, ran the Star Wars half marathon yes. virtually last weekend. So that was fun. We uh, switched the course from some neighborhood loops and hills to Columns Drive. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think my brother-in-law was really happy with Columns Drive. We started in the dark and I think he was a little nervous just about the back and forth. But if you get in the first five miles and the sun is barely up, then it's almost as if you're running mm -hmm. to different places once you can actually see where you're running. So True. it was good. There were, it was pretty cool Sunday morning. So there were tons of big groups out and mm as I could hear people continually come behind us, I, you know, I kept on saying like, do not speed up with them. <laughs> like, just let them pass. <laughs> so, but it was really good. He was about three minutes faster than a few months ago. He awesome. was happy with that. Um, and I think he's probably gonna, uh, I've encouraged him to try to run a big PR at Silver Comet in the fall. So, cause I think that's a good opportunity for a flat half marathon here. So yeah, that was good. Cool. A lot of mileage for me last week. So I'm pretty happy. Awesome. Very good. Um, and I mean, I know what the answer to this question is going to be, regardless of what the truth actually is, but how was the pacing job? It was pretty perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was right where I wanted it to be. I wished good. that he had had um, a little bit more the last 5k. And okay. I definitely, once we made the final turn and we had about half a mile left, because we had 12 and a half kind of on the road perfectly. And then it was 0. 0.6. Um, I wanted him to like really pick it up. And I just ran off and thought he would follow a little bit closer. But, um, you know, what's interesting to me is we kind of talked the you, whole you, time. You're saying you, you made a move. Oh, yeah. As a, as, well, as a I, paper, as a pacer, you made a move in the race. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I knew he could finish it at least a little bit faster. Um, but I do think fitness wise, I mean, I could adjust a few things with what he does during the week because essentially we were mostly conversational. It didn't start to get really hard for him till that last 5K. And I would have, um, I think it can probably get him to a point where he has a lot more left, especially on, you know, a flat course like that. So he cool. just got a Peloton. So I'm pretty excited to, yeah, you know, I have a little bit of experience cross training on a spin bike. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it'll be good Me for too. him. We'll see what happens in a few months. So. All right. Excellent. Very good. Congrats to Brian, your brother-in-law on a successful Star Wars half marathon virtual. Um, and here's hoping that you will get to do it uh, not virtually sometime in the near future because it is a no very kidding. unique and fun experience. So, so yeah. Yeah. Not only because that would mean that races are happening again and, and not so much virtually, but uh but, but indeed, because uh, that's, a, that's a fun race, obviously, in person. Sure. Um, as, as I've talked about before on this podcast, you do have to like Star Wars in order to enjoy that race, which, well, which, seems, can... which seems like a no-brainer, but there are actually people who go down there. The, the last time I ran it, the guy who won, they're like calling up people for, for the podium at the end, you know? Um, and they're like, you know, George Darden. And, and, and then they, they call up the guy who won, and they said, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Um, and he goes, I don't really watch Star Wars. I was like, man, oh, you didn't deserve to win this race. Go sit down. Right. 
Um, and then they, and then they asked the second place guy and then they didn't ask me. I was like, what? I have like a whole range of favorites. I have favorite mainstream. I have favorite from the clone wars. I have favorite obscure. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk and, about and, the and, lightsaber battles. We could talk about right. No, totally. And and the, the 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 but the first two guys were so lame in answering the Star Wars specific questions that by the time they got to me, they were like, Oh yeah, we probably better not ask any more of those questions. I was like, ask me all the questions about Star Wars. <laughs> I just started volunteering information. So so man, I wish I would have thought about that at the time. That's an excellent point, Michelle. I really should have. I should have been more assertive. Nah. Oh well. And um, what have you been up to? So I have just begun racing with the Zwift Racing League, which is interesting. Um, so the, the Zwift Racing League and cycling started in the fall. And, and okay. it's now in season three and it's on Tuesday nights and it's these monstrously difficult races. Um, but you have to be on a team. Um, and about every third race is a team time trial. So you have to actually work together with your team. Um, and so I've been doing that on Tuesday nights for the last uh, few months. Well, they've just opened a Zwift running league. Um, and today, in fact, is race number two of the inaugural season here. Um, and so I got together with a couple of other guys. And uh, one of them is actually an editor, a writer at Slow Twitch. And so he wrote about our team on slowtwitch.com this week, uh, which was kind of fun. Um, and and um, we had our first race last week. Um, and it was a 2.7 kilometer race. Um, you know, not quite a 5K or not 2 seven mile race. So not quite a 5k. Um, and then today is actually a relay race. Um, so one of my teammates is going to run two kilometers as hard as he can on Zwift. So on a treadmill, Ugh. then pans off to, to the next guy. And then I'm actually the anchor leg on our three by two K here. Um, and we'll have to be on a, we'll have to be on discord together to ensure that when they cross the finish line, I start um, because if I start early, we obviously get disqualified. Uh, but if I start late, then we end up losing time. So, um, so yeah, it should be a, an interesting challenge. Um, lots of kinks with it still. They're still kind of, I guess, alpha testing it, beta testing it here. Um, but, um, but it's, it's a neat challenge. I think folks are fired up that they're, they're trying to bring racing to Zwift running, um, to at least approximate some of the, the racing they brought to Zwift cycling. So so do you so, think yeah. you'll ever run outside again? <laughs> Not this week when it was 32 degrees in the morning, despite the fact that it's April 20th. Um, so thanks a lot, Earth on Earth Day. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, no, I it's so I raced last weekend an outdoor Ragnar relay trail race. Oh, that's right. Um, and so um, and it's funny because I think that in some ways, um, one of my takeaways from that was. I need to be running outside more um, and I need to be running on trails more and I need to be running up and down hills more because I play with the incline on my treadmill, but you know, the same. so, so I, I need to be going outside probably a little bit more. Um, and then of course I have the virtual Eugene marathon slash world marathon major global challenge next weekend. So. And have you uh, solidified a race course for that? No, I'm going to end up doing college at Collins drive. I'm sure I was and looking at some stuff yesterday. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm going to reach out in the next couple of days to the uh, handful of people that said they would run a little bit with me. Um, but um, I'm, I don't have the real lofty expectations for it that I once did um, just because I haven't totally been able to pull things together. Cause I've continually been in this sort of mode that we've talked about where I just kind of am, am doing what comes to me. Not sure. that I'm not training, but that I'm, I'm, I'm not putting thing, the, the, the medium term, the long-term goals 
um, front and center. Sure. Um, and so, so this would have been a medium goal, a medium term goal. Um, and it just, it just hasn't been, I just haven't arranged my training in such a way to, to really realize my full potential and that's okay. That's okay. Um, I mean, for example, I wouldn't be running this race today <laughs> if, I, know, I, if I, if I was trying to race. Exactly you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the fact, but, but I'm looking forward to this today. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be interesting. I think it's kind of a neat thing. Um, and it got me written about on slowtwitch.com, which has never happened before. So that's cool too. Um, um, did you read the article that was put out by Adam Grant this last week? He calls the state that I think you're in. He languishing. Yes. Mm-hmm. The languishing. Like, what do you think? Do you, do you feel that? Did you read it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. So my, my, my wife has a serious crush on Adam Grant right now. I don't know if I've told you that. Wow. Um, so you your work cut out for you. That's, so. that's no <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so she, she is, is mentioning him on a fairly regular basis, something he tweeted or something he said or, or something else like that. But yeah. Um, but she had mentioned that and, and, and I, I saw it and I looked at it. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, I think we talked about the same general principle like months ago. Sure. Um, about, about just sort of the, this kind of gray area and, and you want to see the end, but the end's not in sight and, and all that sort of thing. What I think that makes this moment different is the fact that the end kind of is in sight and everybody's kind of in a hurry to just go ahead and finish. Um, sure. and, and it's not, we're not at the finish yet. Um, yeah. and so, so it's frustrating and difficult. Um, but, but yeah, we're definitely not at the finish. Ask, you know, anybody who lives in Canada, unfortunately. Well. He codified, you know, the most dominant emotion of 2021 in his New York Times article is, quote, languishing. So Mm -hmm. for anybody who wants to check that out, I thought it was an interesting read. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, what what good public intellectuals do is they explain us to ourselves. Um, And and I think that 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 piece and a lot of the stuff he does um, did exactly that. Sure. All right, let's talk about what we're, we're, we're offering everybody today here on the podcast, because it's something I know that you are fired up about, and I am too. This was super fun. Um, yeah. we, we did an interview. Tell us about it, Michelle. Who did we interview? I think we are um, in good company with every, you know, running news publication and social media account that's hyping the uh, Atlanta Track Club Peachtree Road Race this summer, and we <laughs> tried to get out ahead of everybody's questions or maybe answer everybody's questions, and we brought on the executive director of the Atlanta Track Club. Uh, Rich Kana and sat down with him, got a little bit of his background, a little bit of, you know, when he came to Atlanta Track Club and changes that have been made and how we got to where we are now and everything uh, that is going into kind of pivoting from the world's largest 10K this summer to the world's safest 10K. Excellent. Excellent. Exactly. Yeah. He would have been an interesting person to talk to um, even if it weren't for COVID-19, even if we didn't want to talk about the Peachtree Road Race, um, just because his telling us his story and his experience with the track club was, was I thought, very interesting. But Yeah, then... I definitely had to keep my questions at a minimum because I could have <laughs> asked, I could have talked about a lot of other stuff. But... Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but we did end up spending most of our time talking about the Peachtree Road Race, not most of it. The, the single biggest topic was the Peachtree Road Race. Um, and he definitely shared with us a few things that I hadn't heard in other places and that's that I definitely hadn't read in their literature. So, yeah. so a little bit of secret detail about the t-shirts. That was exciting to hear on our it podcast. Was. You was. might have hear, you might hear it first here. So, so all right. <laughs> well, 
with that in mind, then let's go ahead and, and play the audio for our interview with executive director of the Atlanta Track Club and fellow twin dad, Rich Kana. Uh, Rich Kana, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, executive director of the Atlanta Track Club. How long have you been in that position? Uh, just over seven years. Arrived uh, here in Atlanta uh, for this position in, in February of 14. Very good. And I appreciate that your leadership of the Atlanta Track Club is very self-effacing, uh, that you always put the club in front of your own personality and your own accomplishments. But I did want to talk briefly about those. You have a background in professional running. You were an Olympian back in the day, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, after two missed uh, opportunities, I finally made it on my third try, representing the United States in the Olympics in 2000 in Sydney, Australia. Very good. Very good. Um, the amidst your, your, your missed opportunities there, too, you also got a bronze medal in the World Championships on a couple of different occasions in the 800 meters, too, right? I did. Uh, in 1997, it was a World Championship year, both indoors and out. So in Paris, indoors and then in Athens, Greece, outdoors. So uh, it was it was a good run while I had it. <laughs> very good, very good. How did you how did you pivot from from professional running into I guess what you're doing now, being director of of, of, of track club? So retired from my own well call sort of professional running career in two thousand and one. And until 2013, had worked on uh, the elite side of the sport, as you referenced. So as an agent for Olympic athletes, the marketing of Olympic athletes, actually. Uh, and then the promotion of one day televised Olympic level track and field events. And toward the end of that tour, we started to do some work, the company that I was working for, for the BAA, for the, for the Boston Marathon. And we handled a lot of the uh, sponsor activation work for the BAA. And I, and I came to realize that I was enjoying my work more with the everyday runner, with the real runner, uh, than sort of those genetically gifted uh, athlete, Olympic level athletes. Uh, and then this opportunity opened up here in Atlanta and I recognized Atlanta Track Club for being a, a, a Sort of a bellwether organization in the sport uh, and came here and found exactly what I had hoped for, a, a, a track club uh, that did all the right things for the right reasons. Very good. Very good. And then as soon as you came in, what are some of like the challenges you had and some of the, the priorities that you had when you came in? So I had never worked in the nonprofit space when I came in. So when I came in, I, 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 was, I came from the sports marketing side. And when I came in, I recognized a small nonprofit that thought like a small nonprofit. And so we pivoted and tried to, to marry up our mission sort of focused culture with basic sports marketing practices and principles so, so that we could grow our reach uh, we could deliver great experiences and, and bring corporate America or corporate Atlanta along with us uh, to help elevate the work that we were doing. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Very good. Very good. Michelle? Yeah. So I guess when you came in, you kind of had the underlying structure of some of the Atlanta Track Club's big races, but was, was part of that kind of mission or path to what you saw as the goal uh, forming the Atlanta Track Club elite team and bringing on Mizuno as a sponsor and can you tell us a little bit about how that started? 
Certainly. So in, in, well, I'll take a, a big step back. So in 1964, when the track club was born, it was born around fast runners, jumpers, and throwers. We were born around celebrating the best of the best high school track and field athletes in the, in the uh, metro area of Atlanta. Uh, and we continue to do that today. Uh, but also in our bylaws, there was a reference to the competitive team. Uh, and, and that goes well back to, to when the organization was formed and supporting fast athletes. Uh, and over the decades, uh, we continue to support our fast athletes. But as our fast athletes aged up, we were aging up with them and not backfilling sort of the next generation fast runner, jumper, thrower. So that was the thought behind sort of rebranding our competitive team to Atlanta Track Club Elite uh, and investing in Olymp hopefully Olympic level athletes. And that's our goal to produce Olympic athletes uh, to inspire our membership and our participant base uh, and to give kids something to uh, aspire to. Did, did your own experience as a professional runner um, in any way influence your approach and some of the priorities you had in setting up the elite team? Yeah, it did. So, so I, I was fortunate enough to be able to chase my Olympic dream, but it wasn't easy. Uh, I recognize that you need a village, so to speak. Mm -hmm. you, you need people around you. You need resources. You need coaching. Uh, you need access to facilities. Um, so we built our program here uh, for that reason, to, to create a, a place, quite literally a physical place, uh, as well as a, sort of a metaphorical space where post-collegiate athletes could feel as if they were given the environment to chase their Olympic dreams. Right on, right on. And, and then that, that space, that includes things like, like medical professionals and that includes uh, coaches and that sort of thing too, right? Yeah, when, when, when in 2014, we did not have what I'll call sort of a, a, a coaching function at the staff level. We had some great volunteers who delivered our in-training programs to the community. But what we found is that every volunteer had a little bit of a different training philosophy. Mm -hmm. So we built a core training philosophy uh, around staff coaches, and we still utilize, we could not exist without our run leads or volunteer coaches now, but it's all built again around a core training philosophy and that for, for the youth all the way up to our masters and everybody in between. Very cool. Very cool. And then I know Michelle wanted to ask a little about Amy and Andrew coming on uh, related to that, right, Michelle? Yeah, just in terms of formally getting the Atlanta Track Club Elite team set up, uh, why you're also keeping the parallel path of, you know, expanding the track club for the real runner, or the common runner. Um, so how did that come about? Because that was definitely a turning point uh, for the elite team to be established officially, right? Yeah, so the, there's there's some things that I'm good at, and there's some things that I'm I'm not good at. Uh, I would say coaching is one of the areas that I'm not good at. So I, I had an <laughs> understanding early on um, that that I'm that I'm not a coach, and and we need experienced, uh, successful coaches driving that training philosophy uh, and guiding the development of of everyone from from our Olympic level athletes 
to our youth um, through our in-training programs. We're just launching our in-training for Peachtree programs. And, and that, that includes just a lot of beginner level runners. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of the first steps we took here uh, when I arrived was to, was to, to bring on coaches, Amy and Andrew, who understand how to develop athletes. Very good. And then of course, you also had to take on the Peachtree Road Race. <laughs> and so, so small undertaking. Was, so, so yeah, just, just a slight undertaking there. What was that like? Um, uh, essentially, I mean, becoming the, the race director for the Peachtree Road Race. Uh, it's, it was overwhelming in that you don't understand the peach tree and the scale of the peach tree until you've experienced it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it takes you a number of years to be able to experience it in all its glory because it is a point to point course. It is the world's largest 10 K and there's never a way to truly see the race, the event in its entirety. So it's taken me a number of years to truly understand the event uh, in, in a way that a race director really should. So I think one of the things that's, uh, we really want to highlight is, you know, with the pandemic hitting last year and how the Atlanta track club pivoted in order to make races safe. But what did you guys think, you know, leading into the marathon trials and what was your understanding or realization of kind of what was going on in the world and what might change versus what actually happened, um, and how you guys had to pivot last year? last year sorry so so years ago and then months the months leading into the trials and and uh, in what we were calling america's marathon weekend we had this this plan this vision to celebrate the running community in mass from from distance running to track and field to shot putting to shot put and and triple jumping and everything in between uh and and I think we accomplished that in, in, in a way that the track club is really proud of. I have sort of a, a vague sort of recollection of sort of those weeks in mid-February where you're starting to hear a little bit more and more uh, uh, about, you know, this, this virus in, in China uh, and thinking, I hope that doesn't come to the United States. And then I really hope it doesn't get here before, um, b- before our big weekend. And with the days that went on, we looked, we, could, we looked sort of ever more closely at its impact. Uh, and I think as we exited that weekend, the, the trials, Public Salina Marathon weekend, I think we realized that at that point that we had dodged a bullet, uh, but we had no idea, you know, the, the true impact and, and, and the tragedy that would be you know, this pandemic. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've spent a good portion of the last year talking uh, numerous aspects of the marathon trials weekend and, you know, how much it meant to us at the time on the day. And then how much we can all look back at this past year and see that is the last time, you know, we felt normal or races felt normal and we were all together. Um, But as you guys started to pivot, once you kind of realized the pandemic was here to stay, we're curious kind of what did that look like in terms of uh, Atlanta track club races, you know, for the community in general, and then also 
wanted to speak a little bit to how the elite team had to pivot once we knew the Olympic trials weren't actually going to happen last summer. Sure. So I, I can remember uh, coming, coming out of the, the trials weekend, we had our, our annual fast break 5k scheduled with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, and in the middle of that week, we started to, to get a little bit concerned about having that race um, because race number pickup was inside and we were concerned about bringing people inside, uh, but had no idea <laughs> sort of that, that bringing people inside would be the least of our worries <laughs> sort of longer term. And we found ourselves like every other organization, mostly sports, but event organization that brings people together, trying to make some guess about the future. Uh, and in hindsight, uh, we were all wrong in terms of the guesses that we were making, um, but we were using the best information that we had at the time, while also probably being a little bit jaded about being hopeful for what we could, what we could accomplish and what we could work around. Uh, and by the time we got to July and August, as we were standing up our pilot program, we were already thinking about how do we get back to a new normal? We knew that it was not going to be, and it's, you know, stealing uh, a, a comment from, from public health officials uh, here, it was not going to be a light switch turning back on. It was going to be sort of a dial that gets gradually turned back up. So we knew we were going to need to build confidence. And that was this race by appointment pilot program where you start small, only have a few hundred people sign up for specific slots. You know, you have space, you know what time people are arriving, uh, you know what time people are leaving. Uh, and what we've done is we've just gradually scaled that up since then to the point of this, of, of sort of the Publix Atlanta Marathon 2021, you know, where we had north of 3,000 people on site over two days. Uh, and we not only learned from each event along the way, we built confidence within the running community here that you could do it safely if, if you had a, a very intentional sort of focus in your planning. And then on the elite side, I, I can't imagine having been sort of in the shoes of our athletes and uh, aspiring Olympic athletes all over the country and all over the world in an Olympic year, having that level of uncertainty uh, in your planning. And, and just kudos to, uh, to our athletes and athletes from around the country uh, who found a way to continue their careers uh, in the midst of a pandemic in, in ways that we never thought we would before in, in, in terms of the racing opportunities that were created. Very good. Um, you know, we we talk and we brag about you and we brag about the Atlanta Track Club on this podcast a lot over the course of the last several months um, because you have been cautious and gradually turning up that dial um, and and continuing to offer safe race experiences um, as this city and and this country and and of course this planet continues to to navigate the pandemic um and so i did want to take the opportunity since you're with us to actually say thanks for doing that <laughs> um, that that i i've taken advantage of a few of your opportunities i ran the marathon on atlanta marathon weekend down at uh down the atlanta motor speedway um and and i remember thinking when i was there that the space was so big and i was like they could have a much bigger event here um, and I was like, well, that's exactly kind of what it's supposed to feel like. 
that that their space is so gigantic and and we're just putting a small number of people in a really large very open very outdoor space and and that's exactly what it was supposed to be so well done um and and appreciate the creativity you've applied as well oh you're first of all you're welcome um second thanks for noticing <laughs> uh and and kudos to our events team for slapping me in the back of the head in in fall saying, hey, why, why would we go through the trouble of trying to plan a semi-normal Publix in downtown Atlanta when we don't know what we don't know yet? And let's build something that's gonna have some certainty to it that we know is gonna be safe. Uh, and, and I have never been and still have not been to a NASCAR event. So this is my first time to a, to a, to a NASCAR facility. You know, the only tracks that I stood on have been 400 meters around. <laughs> but when you stand there in the middle of, of Atlanta Motor Speedway, you you quickly get it. For sure. For sure. So, and kind of continuing the back to new normal, would you say that uh, Peachtree 2021 might be the first quasi normal-ish return uh, to a road race that the Atlanta Track Club holds every year? And do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, the decisions that have been made to hold it over a two day period instead of a one and what we can expect and look forward to on race day? Yeah, certainly. We recognize that the way the calendar falls and, and the way uh, vaccinations have been, and the vaccines have been approved and vaccinations are happening, that the Peachtree will likely be the, the first, you know, somewhat scaled event uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, because we we missed really the the early spring or the spring marathon season, uh, so all of those marathons are going to be in the fall in a very short period of time, which you guys know. Yeah. Uh, we do. <laughs> so we realize that that like it or not, we're going to need to be pioneers here, uh, and that that what we do could drive the protocols for an, ind an entire industry, one. And two, what we do could drive the ultimate success or failure in permitting of these events around the country and around the world. Um, so, so we take this really seriously. So, but we're taking a very conservative approach. So we, we uh, prioritize two things, coming back to an in-person peach tree in 2021 and doing it on the weekend of the 4th of July, because we want to make sure, we don't want people to deviate too far from that traditional running routine that they have on the weekend of the 4th of July, because it has been so ingrained in, in what the running community here is. Sure. Uh, so so then, so that, that was our, our sort of our, our decision on our starting points. And then, we've, and then we looked at how do we do that safely? Uh, and that is, sort of a carbon copy race, July 3rd and July 4th mornings, uh, spreading it out over two days and leaning into uh, trying to build the world's safest 10K and, and parking sort of that moniker of the world's largest 10K over in the corner for, for 2021 and focusing on how, how, to, how to get to this next level of scale up, um, but not back to the normal Peachtree routine. So two-day event, third and the fourth. The fourth will still have the, the elite wheelchair race uh, and the elite foot race in terms of invited athletes from, uh, from outside of Atlanta. 
but the third will give people an opportunity uh, to run the peach tree on a day that has never been run before. Yeah, I actually signed up for it on the third. <laughs> because because for a few different reasons, not the least of which is that when am I ever going to get to run the PC road race on the July 3rd again? I thought it was kind of cool. Um, um, but then I also put down for, for a seated time. And so that might mean that I get put, getting put on the fourth instead. Is that how it's going to work? Uh, that's a good question. So uh, we're working on that right now. Uh, and it's, it's funny because this forces you to think about your start line in a way you never have before. So if you are a seated athlete in quotes, and, and you choose the third, uh, are you equal to a seated athlete on the fourth? And, and ultimately what we've decided uh, is if, if you want to be, in quotes, the, the seated group as we call it, we'll do that on the fourth. But I certainly expect that we're gonna have some fast athletes on the third as well. Very good. What about things like, and th these are such unimportant details in the grand scheme of of global health but what about things like the cups like I, as as we're sitting here i have my virtue my, my, my top one 1000 cup here um are there are there going to be cups for for the 1000 on the third and 1000 on the fourth or, or how, how's that going to work also Perfect. not to be outdone but my cups are over there <laughs> <laughs> my mugs and everything so anyway go ahead so we're trying to trying to honor sort of the these traditions that are Peachtree in 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 a way that uh, that a two day event really doesn't allow for. Um, but the short answer to your question is: we see the race on the third and the race on the fourth as one race, mm -hmm. and ultimately going to combine those results to ultimately get to our top one thousand. Gotcha. Um, so we will maintain the tradition in an untraditional way. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you run on the third and the fourth. And we understand that, hey, it might be hotter on the third than the fourth or vice versa. Or you might have a rain. And, and so it, it, there's really no way to truly uh, make the third the same as the fourth. But we feel pretty good that, that we'll do a, a decent job of capturing the spirit of what that top 1000 mug tradition is. Cool. Well, and for people who are, oh, go ahead, George. I was going to say, what about the t-shirts? Because, you know, the, the, try, try, trying to keep the T-shirt a secret until the people cross the finish line on July 4th, people on July 3rd are going to see them, right? They are. <laughs> we had this crazy idea just a couple of weeks ago that maybe we should have two shirts. Oh, gosh. One for the third and one for the fourth. Uh, but it was determined that it was just a little bit too crazy. Uh, and, we, <laughs> and we will have only one, one, one shirt design, one shirt color. Uh, and yes... You will see it on the third, and to be determined, but it's likely that uh, we will release it ahead of the third mm -hmm. so that everyone finds out at the same time. There you go. There you go. Very good. And then how is like, like the starting line, the volunteers, um, the, that, that sort of thing? What, what, what sort of protocols are going to be in place there? Yeah, so so we 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 basically said, hey, let's build a. If we're going to build a, a a race like this from scratch, how do we do it in a way that is safe? So, uh, we're let's start with the participant base. So we've said in the registration path uh, that uh, as as a term of your registration, uh, you you may be uh, required to to show proof of vaccination. Mm -hmm. uh, or go through some sort of COVID screening process. Mm -hmm. 
and and where where we're landing uh, is just that uh, for for both the expo as well as on race morning. If you are vaccinated, uh, the upside to you being vaccinated, you get sort of what we call just an easy pass or a fast pass uh, through lines at Expo uh, and to the start area corral. Uh, and if you do not, hey, you're, you're still welcome, but there are going to be some screening processes that we put in place to ensure that everyone who gets to the start line uh, is not carrying, shedding active COVID virus. Right. Uh, so, so that's one. Uh, two, on the volunteer side, because our volunteers are spread all over the course uh, on race morning as well as at the expo, uh, we, we made a decision that, uh, that was hard to make, but that to, to volunteer this year, you need to be vaccinated. Hmm. So to be a participant, we encourage vaccination and it's gonna be easier if you're vaccinated, but we don't require it. To be a volunteer, we require you to be vaccinated because we don't have a mechanism to screen everyone who's not. And then at the start line, we're going to give you a window of time where we ask you to arrive. Uh, our waves are gonna be half the size of a normal peach tree, and they're going to have twice as much time in between them. So, so it will not be your usual shoulder to shoulder, uh, you know, call it, uh, Mass exodus down Peachtree. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, shoulder to shoulder with 60,000 of your best friends. Uh, we quite literally are building 36 square feet for every participant in the start area um, so, so that we truly do have that social distancing. And as you're approaching the start line, up until you start, we are requiring a mask. And then post-finish, once you finish, we're requiring a mask while you are in our footprint. Uh, and to make it easy on you, if, if, you, if you lose your mask, toss your mask, whatever you do from the start line, uh, you will have a mask uh, on the back of your bib in a, in a plastic pouch. So you will have a dry mask to put on. That's cool. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> so good thinking. I like that a lot, actually. So. Um, looking ahead for people who are you know, in training for the Peachtree, but also hoping to get in some of those fall races, uh, like the 10 miler and maybe the Thanksgiving day half. What do you guys see is happening with those races later on this year? So we predict, and you know what happens when you predict, but, but sure. <laughs> we predict and, and we hope that there is significant uh, pent up demand to get back to a new normal. Uh, so we are planning on, on holding our, our 10 miler uh, at its traditional location in town, Atlantic Station, and our Thanksgiving Day half uh, downtown uh, in its normal location as well. Uh, and it's too early to tell whether it'll be old school traditional or whether it'll be a hybrid of this race by appointment and old school traditional, depending on, really will de depend and be driven by you know, the level of positivity around COVID uh, positivity rates, I should say, uh, here in Atlanta as we get to the fall. And do you see the virtual race option as something that's kind of here to stay? Or do you see it as gradually fading away once we kind of get the green light uh, to go back to things the way they were before the pandemic hit? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll show my age and my answer. If you told me a, a year ago uh, that virtual races uh, would, would have staying power and there would be demand for virtual races, I would say that you were crazy. I, I saw virtual races 
uh, as just an opportunity for some organizers to drive additional revenue around in-person races. And this has forced me to rethink that. Uh, while, while the virtual Peachtree was not the real Peachtree, it did give thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, the opportunity to continue their tradition. Sure. What has been really interesting for me is that the demand for virtual options continues to be there. Yeah, so we see that. <laughs> people have virtual options for all of our programming uh, through the end of 2021 and will continue, continue to have them if the demand remains. Very cool. Very good. Well, and I guess that that's, that's as, as we're nearing the, the end of our time with you here, I guess that's a good place too to also say, are there other changes that you all have made and other things that you've learned here that you do think that you'll carry on once we're past where we currently are? Well, I can say that as an organization, we are, we are going to be better for having lived through the the pandemic, you know, and, and you guys have had heard me say this and our organization say it, that safety is always our number one priority. Uh, and and we, 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 out of necessity, we've had to, to relook at everything that we do uh, throughout this last year. So we will take some learnings on the business side in terms of diversification of revenue, in terms of how you manage your staff, uh, how, how you provide sort of a, an easier work-life balance in terms of working from home for your staff going mm -hmm. forward. Uh, but on the participant side, uh, I, I know that we will take some of these learnings away. What they will be sort of by the end of the pandemic, I don't really know. Uh, but I, I think you will see maybe a little bit of a different start line, a little bit of a different uh, finish line than we have had in the past. And interestingly, we have got a lot of feedback from people that say they really like this race by appointment approach, meaning less people at the start line, less traffic, less congestion on courses. Uh, so, so it's that's also good. way easier to get the porta potty before you start racing. There's <laughs> there just no lot. It's like that's major. <laughs> Some people think that's a small thing, but other people not so much. <laughs> not so small. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Uh, Rich Kana. Executive Director of the Atlanta Track Club, fellow twin dad. Uh, we appreciate your being with us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thanks again for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here4slayrx, that's the number four, slayrx, Twitter, at official slayrx, and Instagram, here4slayrx, the number four, slayrx discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. 
Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.